Welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, comics, games, science, you name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is the top 10 board games for quarantine boredom. I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda Lorian. Hey. I gotta drag it out, because no one else is on the show with us tonight. You you, you would think, you would think with, like, the extended the, the, weekend, we'd be able to, you know, find the, somebody the to come. And the two-day delay. Uh, yeah, and, and the two-day delay. Yeah, that's right, folks. We're sorry. We know. We know. We're, we're, we're behind. We're behind. Real life happens. Sometimes things just get in the way, but uh, but we're back, and and we're so grateful that you guys are joining us because we're talking about all sorts of fun stuff, you know. Besides, you know, the top ten board games, you know, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, folks, is real. We're gonna be talking about that. We're gonna be talking the fortieth anniversary of the Empire Strikes Back, uh, and Hollywood is buying a bunch of germ zapping robots. And a whole lot more, so uh, so make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you guys each and every week. And if you've already hit that subscribe button, plus 10 nerd XP to you. We love you guys. We thank you so much for, for, for telling your friends about us. So so make sure you hit that subscribe button so you too can start earning some, some nerd XP. But, but in the meantime, what's nerdy with you, Amanda? What have you been up so- to? I have the fun story of my children. Uh, Since Avatar The Last Airbender came out on Netflix, I've been forcing my children to watch it. And I could only get them originally to watch the first episode when when I was trying to show it to them on YouTube. They're like, this is boring. We don't like this. So I made them watch the first two episodes on Netflix and I said you're going to watch this and I was going to make them watch the whole series with me but at the end of the second episode my do- my oldest daughter was like mom next episode now please because yeah. they really got into it yeah so, they did so later on I was talking with my oldest about something and she said mom I want to learn all of this so I can teach my children and I'm like that's kind of odd phrase but then my four-year-old pipes up, yeah, mom's going to teach me water bending so I can teach my kids water bending. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ang. Avatar The Last Airbender. Man, that, that was one sweet show. And you know who, you know why that was so sweet? Because Dave Filoni was involved in that. Oh. Dave Filoni! The savior of Star Wars and Lucasfilm <laughs> in the Padawan of George Lucas. Uh, yeah, no, you know, it, I remember I remember watching Avatar the Last Airbender like 10 years ago. I mean, it's been a while. And uh, and I'm glad I got into that. We, don't, we got about halfway through uh, Kara, Korra, Korra, Legend Korra, the Legend of Korra. We never quite finished that. We uh, we need to maybe go back and, and finish that. But uh uh, yeah, I mean that's that was uh, an awesome series, and our kids want to learn water bending. Why water bending? Why not fire bending? Okay, or, so it's or air. Bending? So the say 
the three main characters are Aang, Katara, and her brother so- um, Sokka. Okay, yeah, that's right, Sokka. Yep, yep, Sokka. Okay, and so Katara is a waterbender. And through the majority of the show, she does, she's trying to learn waterbending. They talk a lot about how she really wants to learn waterbending. Yep. So, so yeah. that's that's why waterbending. <laughs> yeah, that was why waterbending. Why not airbending, though? Because, frankly, airbending is way cooler. Well, if I could have one. So, so there's airbending, waterbending, earthbending, and Fire. firebending. So if you haven't watched Avatar The Last Airbender, basically, you have the power to magically bend those elements to your will. So, like, if you had waterbending, you could create, like, a tsunami. If you had air bending, you could create like a giant gust of wind and, and tornado or something. And uh, and so so if you could have one, which what would you want, Amanda? So I, I really like air bending, and that's what I would do. But I remember in Legend of Korra how the water benders could become blood benders, and that oh, that's got so, oh! so crazy. Oh yeah, I I forgot about that. Blood benders. I would still go for air. That's what I would want to do. Why air bending? Why? Because I want to fly. That is awesome. I I was I was thinking maybe earth bending. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it'd be cool to be able to create like shields of rock and like punch people with mountains. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool. But uh, anyways, I think it's time to talk some nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, I think we need to celebrate. Because the Snyder Cut of Justice League is real. And it's coming to HBO Max in 2021. So, okay. You, eh, what, eh, no, 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 knock it off, Amanda. <laughs> All right, so you know, you know that Justice League movie with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg that came out in 2016? And it was DC, so it sucked. And I think we were even beating up on it like two podcasts <laughs> ago. Uh, well... It's being re-released again, but this time, no, this time, it might be something to get excited about, okay? Manda, I will elbow you again, just like I did like two seconds ago. It's the Zack Snyder cut. No, hey, let me get through this, okay? So, So to understand the full story on Justice League, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, we, we need a short history lesson, okay? All right, see, see, Zack Snyder was the original director for Justice League after okay. having directed Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. And he was the co-producer on Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984. Okay, and those were good. does not have no, near no, the control. No, doesn't have near no. the control. He was a producer. No. He was not the lead person designing no. it. And that's why they he, were good. He was. Wonder Woman was fantastic. He, Aquaman was great. And Wonder Woman 1984 Snyder! was fantastic. Snyder, Snyder sucks as a director. He sucks! Are you done? 
may I? I'm I'm not even like through like the first like tenth of what I'm going to talk about. I know, but I get to interrupt because you're going to like you've got like five pages of paragraphs <laughs> about this. So no, this is my time quiet. to interrupt and come quiet. I'm on the podcast. Snyder. <laughs> Snyder was on was was like Snyder was supposed to be like DC's main movie creative visionary on how to craft their own MCU. And called, that is why it is called, terrible. No, Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman. Those things are freaking sweet. We're going to be talking about Shazam next. Yeah. Week. Anyway, Snyder, Snyder doesn't have control over those. That's why they're good. No, he was like the main creative visionary to try to help craft this Marvel Cinematic Universe S called the DCEU, the DC Expanded Yes, but those movies stand on their own as good. They don't really mesh well together. Are you done? May I finish? I'm going to keep interrupting because, as I said, you've got like five like books on this. So I'm going to keep interrupting. This is going to be a long (laughs) podcast. Okay, anyway, well, Snyder completed the majority of the work on Justice League and was in the post-production process, but ended up having to step away before finishing the movie because of an unexpected family tragedy involving the death of his daughter. So what did the studio do after dropping hundreds of millions of dollars? Well, they brought in Avengers director Joss Whedon to finish the movie. Salvage the movie. And Joss Whedon went in and decided to rewrite a good chunk of the movie, uh, reshoot several aspects of the film. He tried so valiantly. So essentially... He tried so hard. The Justice League film we got was like a half Snyder vision, half Joss Whedon vision. And that half Snyder And the two of them never even talked or collaborated on where the story was supposed to go. And the movie had like a $300 million budget. It underperformed at the box office story-wise and money-wise. And I agree with you, Amanda. The Justice League film that came out was not that good. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I'm on your side. I'm yeah, on your side. but we're disagreeing about which side of the... the- no, look, 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 look. I, I'm holding myself in reserve to watch this thing. But that does not mean... Uh, I've already determined it's going to be good. I'm 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 holding my judgment in reserve so I can see it, but that does not mean I can't get excited about it. I can get excited about it. I am getting yes. excited about. It. Let me let let me let me let me tell you why I'm getting excited about this. Okay, because yeah. you know for for years for years there's been news out there that you know Joss Whedon sliced up Snyder's movie. And fans have been clamoring for Snyder's original cut of the film to be re, to be re released or released or however you want to call it. But but you know over the years the people at Warner Brothers have been saying the same thing over and over: the film will never see the light of day, and that it's a pipe dream. And should have stayed that way. Well, Zack Snyder recently did a live commentary on the Man of Steel over the internet for fans to watch with him. A lot of a lot of people are doing that. These days, Henry Cavill even stopped by. Uh, And after the movie, uh, Zack Snyder, Henry Cavill and a whole bunch of fans had a little question and answer session uh, where, you know, fans could just basically ask any question they wanted, any question. And one fan decided to ask what she's calling the mother of all questions. She's the mother of all our questions as a fandom. When will you release the Snyder Cut? There it is. Yes. There it is. It's a hard question. I don't know. What do you think, Henry? I reckon you should show it. We're doing it. 
So get ready. Oh my god. So so this new Snyder cut of Justice League is coming to HBO Max which is a new streaming service that's coming out in like a matter of days, weeks. I don't know. It might even be out right now. But but the Snyder Cut of Justice League is not coming until 2021. There's no hard release date yet except for 2021. But there's a lot of cool things coming to this new Justice League. For one, Warner Brothers has apparently shelled out somewhere around like $30 million plus dollars to finish off the visual effects of Snyder's film. So so there there has to be something about this that that Warner Brothers is saying, "Okay, let's invest huge chunks of money to to complete this vision that Snyder had." Uh plus now I found this really interesting. This version of Justice League is rumored to be 4 hours long, whereas Joss Whedon's Justice League had a runtime of only a straight 2 hours flat. So we're getting like double the movie here. Uh and and it might not even be a movie or in movie format. And that's that was a weird, interesting thing that's kind of floating around out there. Is it true or not? I don't know. But there's a rumor saying that it's not going to be in movie format. It's going to be in a TV episodic format with six chapters, each ending on a cliffhanger. And apparently, in my opinion, the biggest confirmed change, and this is why I'm excited, this is the biggest confirmed change coming to this Justice League. Uh, it will contain one of the biggest baddies of the DC universe. I am entropy. I am death. That's right, Darkseid himself is confirmed to be coming in this uh, new re-release. Okay. You, you've glossed over Justice something League. really important here. What? They, they, they might break it up into episodic format. Mm-hmm. So I can just picture it now. They're going to put out weekly episodes of it. Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> doing that. Well, they got they got they got to milk it for all it's worth, so they can get more than one month of uh, HBO Max subscribers. <laughs> But uh, okay. now you can move on to Dark Side. Okay, okay, Dark Side. Okay, so if you don't know who Dark Side is, like me, and you're more familiar with Thanos from the MCU, well, Thanos was created by Marvel Comics as a direct response to the popularity of DC's Dark Side, who came before him. So Dark Side came before Thanos, and if you Google. Dark side versus Thanos. Like, go ahead and do it, folks. Pause this. Google Dark side versus Thanos if you don't believe me. Almost unanimously across the internet, people say Dark side would wipe the floor with Thanos, even if he had his Infinity Gauntlet. So, Dark side is something to get excited about. So, in the comics, Dark side is considered a new god, an extremely powerful, dangerous, higher interdimensional god of evil he is the ruler of the planet apocalypse and was ranked number six on ign's best comic book villains of all time ranked number six for comparison thanos was ranked number 47 on that same list so if done if if done right the live action version of dark side that is set to appear in Next year's Justice League 
Snyder Cut version, it has the potential, I would say in the long run, in the long run, it has the potential to be even more impressive than Thanos in the MCU. Eh. <clears throat> but getting back to Zack Snyder, he says he's never watched Josh Whedon's version of the Justice League and is saying his movie, quote, will be an entirely new thing. And according to those who have seen the released movie, you probably have only seen about one fourth of what I did. What so lovingly. Uh, Lovely. Uh, I was about ready to correct myself. I'm, I'm allowed to get tongue-tied. Anyway, what's so lovely about this is that we get to explore these characters in ways that you're not able to in shorter theatrical versions. But, you know, th- th- all sorts of fun, fun stuff uh, to be expected in, in this upcoming Justice League. I don't know, Amanda. What, what, come on. You got to get somewhat excited. It ju- take the D take Zack DC. Snyder's still in charge. I I very leery about anything Zack Snyder does anymore. He disappoints me too much. Dark side, Amanda. Dark side. I do not care. Dark side. You have this thing. You keep saying dark side. I'm not a DC fan. I don't know who dark side is. You are a DC fan. You like Wonder Woman. You like Shazam movie. We just watched Shazam like a couple I, days ago. I, I like very select characters from DC. Okay, who, who do you like? Wonder what? Woman. Yeah. And Shazam. And to me, if you don't read, if you haven't read the comics and stuff, like there's so much more in the comics than what they show. I I am a fan of the Wonder Woman movies and the what, Shazam. What about, movie. what about the Christopher Reeve Superman movies? Eh. What are you talking about? If there was no Christopher Reeve Superman movies, we would not have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, you you can talk to Kevin Feige. He he constantly talks about okay. the Christopher Reeve Just Superman movies. Just because they inspired the MC Universe and all the other comic book movies that followed does not mean I have to like them. Well, it feels like you're just being a you have like a you're just you're just a stick in the mud who just says DC no, Marvel yes. You can be a fan of both. I'm a fan okay. of both. So Z- Zack Snyder did the X-Men movies. No, 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 no. That, 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 no, Who was no. That? that was Brian Singer. Brian Singer. Okay, Not sorry. Zack Snyder. Sorry. <laughs> it's the S name that messes me up. Anyway, so I just, I haven't been, I, okay. I went into Man of Steel wanting it to be great. Yeah. Because I, to be honest, I actually really like Superman. Okay. I really like Superman. There is so much you can do with Superman. I love the Christian Bale Batman. Love. See, you like those. DC. So, but it, the problem is, is you have to get DC right. And most filmmakers don't get DC right. Now. And I really feel that Zack Snyder is not getting DC right. Look, look, look. DC, as, as soon as DC decided they're going to have a their own cinematic universe on par with Marvel. They rushed it because they realized they're like four or five years behind the curve. They rushed it. They didn't do good. I, I agree with you on that part is that it's it's not as good, but, but Marvel has had a lot of bad movies too. You have to go back to like uh, the seventies and go, go watch the captain America seventies. I never said, or or any of the fantastic four films. Okay. 
Let's look at the Fox X-Men movies. I think they're all terrible. No, you don't. Honestly, I don't really like them no. anymore. I really don't. I X- The first X-Men. First X-Men. X-Men oh. 2. X-Men oh. 2. What are you talking about? X-Men 2 was dang good. X-Men 3. Eh. Uh, X-Men First Class was good. Okay. Uh, uh, was decent. X-Men uh, Days of Future Past. That was, that was pretty good. Freaking sweet. Are okay. you kidding me? X-Men Apocalypse. Eh. X-1, 2, 3. The Brian's... In- no, X-Men 2. X-Men 2. Oh, no, X-Men that one's 2. awful. What are, you, what are you talking about? And it leads to the terribleness of no. X-Men Well, okay. No, they teased a dark okay, phoenix. Okay, let's get back to Brian Singer. <laughs> and, again, you keep wanting to go off on tangents. Okay, so I really, like, for me, I got a feel of Zack Snyder with Man of Steel. And he has not improved himself at all. As it, I don't like the movies. I haven't seen anything by him that I like. So I'm not going to hold my breath. Well, one person who is excited for this is uh, Ben Affleck. Batfleck. Batfleck. Batfleck is excited. Ben Affleck has uh, taken to Instagram to share his excitement. Let's go ahead and take a listen. I just want to say, I'm sorry I couldn't make it on there live, but uh, I'm very excited that Zach's getting a chance to finally see his vision realized. Uh, I think it's a great thing. I'm really excited for the fans to get to see it. And I want to say thank you to the fans because it was their enthusiasm and their passion that made it happen. Without fan support, uh, I don't think it ever happened. And uh, I love Zach and, and I love his version of the movie and I look forward to everyone getting a chance to see it. What up, Smith? All right, so so here's my theory, and, and then we'll move on from Justice League. Here is my theory on why Warner Brothers is doing this. I think Warner Brothers has seen a shift uh, in how they and how their films play out. There was kind of like Wonder Woman was kind of a hard line in the sand for for DC movies, where they kind of uh, started working uh, for the audiences. They were a little little more lighthearted. A little more uh, fun to watch, whereas all the other movies basically tried to copy the Christopher Nolan realistic dark universe vibe, which works great for Batman uh, and for and, and Chris Nolan as the director, but but does not work for Superman at all. It it, it at all. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not as good as it could be. So no, so, it doesn't work. So at all. I think they. I think Wonder Woman onward, they started to get all of their films right. They all, they all, and I say all of them. Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam. I mean, they, they're all spectacular. I think Warner Brothers is using this as a reboot of sorts to shift the the away from that dark theme and hopefully produce a Justice League film that works for all of these um, characters moving forward. So I think Warner Brothers can be like, hey, scoot that other Justice League under the carpet. Forget about it. Think about this one. This one moving forward works for the cinematic universe. That's what I think is going to happen. You know, if they do that, I could see them making it work better. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to keep my expectations in the gutter. (laughs) Do it. So that way you're you're impressed. Because I would love to be impressed. But right now, my expectations are... (laughs) abysmal all right well let's move on uh apparently 
we can expect a Jurassic World 4 because uh, Jurassic World 3, which is titled Jurassic World Dominion, apparently won't be the last film. Uh, when director Colin Trevorrow and writer Derek Connolly set out on their journey to continue the story of the Jurassic Park franchise with Jurassic World, you know, it was originally planned out as a trilogy. That's how they marketed it to the press and everything. Well, that trilogy is coming to an end with Jurassic World Dominion. And, and I thought personally that meant the franchise was coming to an end, but I should have known better. You know, as soon as Hollywood smells money, of course, they're going to milk it for all it's worth. Uh, because producer Frank Marshall is now saying that Dominion will be, quote, the start of a new era. So this is just like any good theme park. How <laughs> else can they get into your pockets? So, so when Marshall was asked if this next film will be the end of the franchise, he said, quote, no, the dinosaurs are now on the mainland amongst us, and they will be for quite some time, I hope, end quote. He went on to say the future of these stories will be set in this new normal. So I guess that means uh, we can expect to see Jurassic World 4 happen at some point uh, with the dinosaurs roaming around the earth being the new normal. You know, I have to admit uh, that will be fun and interesting to see the new normal world explored. Uh, but, you know, as far as the franchise uh, moves forward goes, you know, I, I, I would expect that we're not going to be seeing more Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. You know, I think it would make more sense to move away from the familiar characters uh, introduce some new characters. Uh, but I don't know. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see what uh, Steven Spielberg and producer Marshall and the creative team uh, have planned. So what I would love to see is I would love to see multiple movies from different places around the world dealing with different dinosaurs in different places in the world. Really? I think that would really be cool. And then have them like kind of meta talk between each other and but just have like three different areas around the world <laughs> do movies and then have them talk to each other in the movies i think that would be great well, like oh so it'd be like a uh walking dead uh but with dinosaurs type of thing where maybe people are trying to like survive in this new world yeah and uh they're they're communicating with each other you know that would be really cool if if, if they're gonna do a uh you know focus on different areas of the world if they're gonna do one in america please 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 have it in the south <laughs> please have it in the south you know in alabama where you know a bunch of bunch of hicks are like yeah let's go get them get some people with some real southern accents <laughs> yeah real southern accents uh, not like hollywood accents i want yeah. real southern I I want farmer tans. I want, I want my cousin the trucker. I, want, I have a cousin I want, the trucker. I want a redheaded mullet, you know, with a really bad stash and chops on oh, the side of their face yeah. in the back of a truck with a shotgun. Yeah, well, well <laughs> I, I love my, my, my cousin Donnie's accent. I love it. And I always want to see someone in the movies with his wonderful accent. So... That's what we need to do. Uh, that'd be funny. That'd be funny. Um, but anyway, so I thought of a way for them to make more money. Um, it's kind of, <laughs> I was, as you were talking. You're not the only one, I'm sure. As you were talking about how there would be dinosaurs and regular world. I thought about how as I'm playing my apps, all of a sudden there's ads. And there are ads everywhere. So they just need to stick 
ads on the side of the brontosaurus. If you would like to continue looking at this dinosaur, please watch this ad. And that's what they'll do in the movie. Just mid-movie, watch the ad on the dinosaur. Well, moving on. (laughs) Uh, Star Wars fans are using the two-year anniversary of Solo a Star Wars story to tell Disney they want a Solo 2. Solo 2. Crimson Dawn. Can you believe? Crimson Dawn. Can you believe it's been two years already since Solo came out? That was the last... uh, I was about to say that was the last Star Wars film that hit the theater. That's not the last one. No, it's not. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Let's not forget about that. But anyways, two years ago on Memorial Day weekend, the world learned that Darth Maul was in Solo, a Star Wars story, and everybody scratched their head going, what? Uh, Well, anyways. And then there are those of us who are like, yeah! Well, I thought it was cool, but I mean, I was still confused as to why Darth Maul was in a Han Solo movie. But anyways. Crimson Dawn. Makes sense. Made perfect sense to me. Sure, sure. Anyways, two years later, fans are using the second anniversary to hashtag make Solo 2 happen with an online petition. Uh, Solo fans have made their work, uh, may have their work cut out from them considering Solo only made a total of $392 million worldwide at the box office on a budget of $275 million. It fell short of expectations on its opening week, weekend, grossing domestically only $83 million. I mean, can you believe that? A Star Wars film, only $83 million? Uh, anyways, it, you know, it's still big numbers, but remarkably unimpressible, uh, unimpressive compared to uh, Last Jedi, which earned $1.3 billion worldwide. Rise of Skywalker's $1 billion worldwide. Even Rogue One got uh, a $1 billion worldwide. So so as of April 2020, you know, Solo Screenwriter John Kazan says he doesn't expect Disney to pursue a sequel to Solo calling it a quote tough sell. Uh Disney CEO Bob Iger decided to slow the pace of Star Wars filming, but he's not the CEO CEO anymore. Anyways, who knows? Disney, I think you should turn Solo 2 into a Disney Plus TV series. That seems to be working really well for you guys. I think fans' expectations are a little lower when it comes to TV. Well, maybe instead of Solo 2, they should just call it Crimson Dawn. Well, I honestly well, then, think then, that's what they should then do. Then it's just a Darth Maul movie, well, which I think would breakup. be awesome. But Yeah, it, it would. It's basically, yeah, but- a, it, it's um, it's not a breakup. It's um, a um, spinoff from Solo Gen. We'll call it Crimson Dawn. Well, if they're going to make a Darth Maul movie, I think I would rather see Darth Maul maybe in his prime um. No, I, I don't know. I I want the show to be about the runnings of his. You, you don't have to see Darth Maul in every episode because it's about the the workings of his criminal enterprise. I don't think that's what they should. You know, do. I get the impression. I get the impression that Darth Maul doesn't really care about the the criminal aspects. I don't think he cares about making money. I think he's. I think he's. Uh, every time we see him in uh, Clone Wars or Rebels, he's really like trying to seek more power, Sith. Uh, artifacts okay. you going to sit temples. You keep focusing on Darth Maul in this, and yeah. I'm trying well, to you tell you. Well, you keep saying Crimson Dawn. So yes, we Darth should Maul focus is... on the criminal enterprise Darth, of Crimson Darth, Dawn. Darth Maul Darth is Maul's Crimson Dawn. Darth Maul's rise to power, his his reaching for power, and the criminal enterprise that funds his lust for power. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, it's well, not about Darth Maul. It's no, about, it about his Darth criminal Maul. enterprise. There is no. D- there is no Crimson Dawn without Darth Maul. Darth Maul is Crimson Dawn. Everybody's scared of Darth Maul 
and falls under his leadership. Take him out of the equation. Yeah, and this they're is just a crime a syndicate. syndicate series. Yeah. That has Darth Maul running it. Okay. So 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 should Solo two, whatever that is, Crimson Dawn, whatever, should it be movie or TV on uh, Disney Plus? I think it should be TV. Disney I agree. Plus. I agree. We found something to agree on. <laughs> Let's move forward before we mess it up. Anyways, Memorial Day weekend is also the fortieth anniversary of the Empire Strikes Back, and I thought it would be fun to celebrate this legendary film with a few fun facts. One. Mark Hamill, you know that scene when he's in uh, Yoda's hut and he's like, Ben, Ben, tell him I'm ready. And he, and, he, and he stands up and he bangs his head against the wall, apparently, or against the ceiling. Apparently, Mark Hamill had to bang his head against the ceiling 16 times before the director, Irving Kirshner, was satisfied. Two, Carrie Fisher stood on a box for many of her scenes with Harrison Ford in order to make up for the height difference and have her appear in the frame with him. You know, Carrie Fisher is five foot one inches uh, and Harrison Ford is six foot one inches. Uh, Number three, the scenes where R2-D2 is submerged in the mud pool on Dagobah, apparently that was all shot in George Lucas's unfinished swimming pool. And most of the crew were hidden underwater. And the entire sequence was shot by George Lucas himself, even though he wasn't the director. So, honey, that's why we should make a pool. So we could make our own Dagobuses. <laughs> we'll, I'll start digging it. Come on. We'll, we'll build a pool. Number four. When it came time to open Empire, you know, on the big screen, there was obviously tremendous excitement after the success of Star Wars. And everybody agreed that they should try something that has never been done with a film release before. So what did they decide on? Well, they opened Empire at the Egyptian Theater in, in Los Angeles at midnight and kept running the movie without stopping over and over again for one full day. That's awesome. And then number five, here we go. Our last little fun uh, fun fact on The Empire Strikes Back. Harrison Ford did the voiceover for the original Empire Strikes Back trailer. And it's kind of weird uh, because he sounds a little happier and chipper than normal. I mean, I mean, when you think of Harrison Ford, you kind of think of, you know, kind of, you know, grumble. But he is like abnormally chipper. So let's go ahead and take a listen and and laugh about it afterwards. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. The continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance.
of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. A galactic odyssey against oppression. Big new sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy next summer. So it, it does sound weird with him basically trying to recreate a 1940s radio show host. Well, to me it sounds like they had somebody off screen before each take kick him in the ball so his so his voice sounded a little higher and chippier. Oh, oh. I don't know. But I mean, like, like, I don't think I would recognize that as Harrison Ford had I not read it uh, on this fact and then go in and listen to it. And you, you can recognize as Harrison Ford, but it's, it's way happier and way chippier. Then uh, I've ever heard Harrison Ford before. It's, 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 it is pretty funny. So, anyways, moving on, uh, or, or I should say, Empire Strikes Back. Man, what a movie! Uh, 40, 40 year anniversary. Congratulations! Uh, it's going to be around for another forty years. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, you know, we were just talking about Batwoman the other the other podcast. Uh, well, apparently, the actress who plays Batwoman herself, Ruby Rose, has straight up quit the show after the first season. You know, fans of the CW's DC series Batwoman were surprised to learn earlier this week that star Ruby Rose has quit the series. The news has come after it was announced the series was given a second season. I mean, strange timing. Confusing many of the fans of the series, but CW has said the show will move forward, but it will feature a different actress in the cape and cowl. So there was really no major reason given by Rose or the producers of the series as to why she left. But uh, the Hollywood reporter has shed some light on that. Thanks to their inside sources, basically saying, quote, Rose was unhappy with the long hours required of her as the series lead, which led to friction on the set. It was thus decided by her and the network and studio, Warner Brothers Television, that they would part ways. So so there you have it. She, did, she just didn't like to work long hours. Uh, I, I, I guess she won't be getting the lead of any TV series anytime soon. You know, up to this point, she's just been... Uh, in a lot of supporting roles uh, over the course of her career. So maybe that's just her sweet spot. She got used to it or something. So it all depends on the production, how many, how long hours. I mean, many productions can work more than 12 hours a day. And so that just, that production just wasn't working for her. And there are other productions where you can be a lead and not work that. I don't, I, I haven't heard a lot. I, I not my industry. Um, 
working in it, so I don't really have any experience, but I know that there are productions that will do shorter hours and not as long days. But most productions do tend to do long. Yeah. Well, I I think it's unfortunate. Um, if you get a big break, I you know, and you and you get the lead of a series. I mean, that's like a Hollywood actress's dream. She finally got that, and out the window. Oh well. But let's let's move on. Well, I, I I wish the best for her, and I hope the best for Batwoman. So uh, let's leave it that way. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Hollywood Studios will be using germ-zapping robots on the sets to get productions up and running while protecting cast and crew from COVID-19. So it's like the germ Roomba? It's a germ Roomba. Is it like... the? Okay, so is it like <laughs> a, um, a a drone flying around, zapping the germs, <laughs> like just roomba Like a... Uh, 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 fly zapper. <laughs> so, like, you sneeze and the drone comes over to you and desanitizes oh, your Oh, boy. Face. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, that that's right, folks. Hollywood is going sci-fi in real life with lab-certified disinfecting robots, some of which are already in use at more than 500 hospitals worldwide. Uh, they use ultraviolet light to eliminate the COVID-19 virus uh, from hospital rooms, and now it will be used to eliminate the COVID-19 virus from Hollywood sets. Uh, one production has already expressed serious interest uh, in the Xenex germ zapping robot. That's the official name. Uh, CBS TV, uh, CBS TV uh, Blue Bloods is looking into it. Uh, and according to The Hollywood Reporter, the robot was able to deactivate 99.99% of the novel coronavirus in two minutes with its light strike technology. Uh, The fast-working robot, which The Hollywood Reporter says, quote, can be rented on a per-month basis or purchased for roughly $125,000, are said to be able to disinfect dozens of rooms per day. Uh, Hollywood sets are still cleaned the old fashioned way by people with mops and brooms. So, and they've got these big giant open sets. So it'd be interesting to, uh, to see that, but, uh, I don't know. It would, it, that, that would be the ultimate Easter egg. You know how people like sometimes leave their coffee cups in the background. You're, you're, you're filming the something in germ a germ Roomba. Yeah. The germ Roombas in the background. Oh, cut. Get the germ Roomba out. But, uh, anyways, moving on, uh, NASA is paying people to isolate themselves for an eight-month study to help future moon and Mars missions. So for those of you who haven't gotten enough self-isolation, thanks to the quarantine. Are are they looking for volunteers? (laughs) I know many moms who, after this quarantine, want to be isolated outside their house. Isolated from their kids is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, Well, guess what? They can get paid for it, you know? NASA's got the perfect job for you. So uh, they're currently taking applications for a social isolation study to help them in developing methods and technology for future spaceflight missions to Mars and the moon. Uh, These days, anyone can say they have the necessary experience, but you do need to be able to speak Russian. So just because you've been quarantined and you've got the practice, you have to speak Russian. So kudos to all those who've been uh, practicing Duolingo. My sister-in-law is looking for a job. Oh, 
Yeah, and and she speaks Russian. So. <laughs> well, uh, the applicants who are chosen will spend eight whole months in isolation with a small international team in a mission facility located in Moscow, Russia. Uh, so, so here are some of the details that NASA has released. Uh, NASA is looking for highly motivated U.S. citizens who are between the ages of 30 and 55 years old and are proficient in both Russian and English. The requirements are you have a uh, you have an MS, a PhD, or an MD, uh, or completion of military officer training. Uh, participants with a bachelor's degree and other certain qualifications uh, may be acceptable candidates as well. Participants will experience environmental aspects similar to those astronauts are expected to experience on future missions to Mars. A small international crew will live together in isolation for eight months, conducting scientific research using virtual reality and performing robotic operations, among a number of other tasks during the lunar mission. The research will be conducted to study the effects of isolation and confinement as participants work to successfully complete their simulated space mission. Results from ground-based missions like this help NASA prepare for the real-life challenges of space exploration and provide important scientific data to solve some of those problems and to develop countermeasures. So this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I unfortunately do not have an MD or a doctorate (laughs) or an MS. Did you want, did you want to ditch me with the kids? For eight months? Heck yeah. (laughs) No, not really. I miss my kids too much. um, But, and I would miss the podcast too much. (laughs) Exactly. But You've got responsibilities I, I here. I do. I do. That and as much as it would be fun to learn Russian, I'm still working on Spanish and Japanese. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I've gotten to 10 in Japanese. Um, on we'll Duolingo. See, on Duolingo. We'll, we'll see if I can get further. Um. <laughs> well, eight months of nothingness would get you there real quick, but... Well, I, I don't think it's self-isolation because they're working with you on different projects. I mean, you're not completely isolated because they're going to make you do stuff. Sure. I just don't have all the training they want. And uh, a la- last bit of science news before we move on. Scientists have found evidence of a parallel universe in which time runs backwards. Uh, parallel universes, you know, these are something that any sci-fi fan worth their salt uh knows about thanks to decades of pop culture where they have depicted everything from an evil Mr. Spock with a goatee to a Spider-Verse where Miles Morales teams with his fellow web slingers. So, so you guys know what I'm talking about when we talk about a parallel universe. So, so a purported evidence of a parallel universe was put forth back in 2015, and now scientists believe they have discovered evidence of not only a neighboring parallel universe, but one where time runs backwards. According to the New York Post, uh, scientists conducting cosmic ray detection experiments in Antarctica have, detect- have, de- have uncovered what they believe is evidence of a parallel universe where the laws of physics differ from our own. They reported uh, high energy particles rising out of Antarctica, which is contrary to how these particles are supposed to behave. They supposedly are only able to be detected when they come down from space, not rising 
out of the planet. So to detect a heavier particle coming out of the Earth would imply that these particles are actually traveling backwards in time. Uh, scientists believe such a parallel universe would be the result of the Big Bang over 13 billion years ago, where not only our universe was formed, but this parallel one was formed as well. Uh, quote, uh, the strange finding was made in 2016. Since then, all sorts of suggestions rooted in known physics have been put forward to account for the perplexing signal, and all have been ruled out. What's left is shocking in its implications, explaining this signal requires the existence of a topsy-turvy universe created in the same Big Bang as our own and existing in parallel with it. And in this mirrored world, positive is negative, left is right, and time runs backwards. Um, an experimental particle physicist, Peter Gorham, the lead author in the paper, uh, basically said, uh, quote, upside down cosmic ray shower. <laughs> not, but not everyone was comfortable with the hypothesis. And so until there's more scientific uh, consensus on these finding, findings, We'll just have to stick to pop culture for our fix on parallel universes. So what I love about science is they'll put out multiple hypotheses and then they try the hypothesis to see if it's true. The parallel universes isn't really there. There's not really a way to test that hypothesis. So that's why it's sticking around because you can't test it. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see more tests and more hypotheses to see where they go with it. That would be awesome. It would be. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park? And that bell means it is time for our main event! The top ten board game for quarantine Hey, special shout out to all you super nerds who have subscribed to the podcast. We really, really appreciate you. Help us get the word out. Tell a friend about the podcast. And uh, I want to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd eggs. But anyways, this week we are talking the top 10 board games for quarantine boredom. Amanda and I are huge board game fans. Amanda used to work at a board game store called... It's your move. It's your move. They would pay me at board games. <laughs> they, well, really, they would give me my paycheck, and then I would use my discount to buy games yeah, with my yeah. paycheck. We have a number of board games. In fact, it is not uncommon to receive a board game for a wedding anniversary gift or a Christmas gift or a birthday gift or anything that requires gift if giving. If someone invites me to their wedding, I buy a board game for them. <laughs> so, because so, everyone should have as many as possible. So every single one of these games... Uh, is our top 10 games to play in the quarantine uh, boredom phase that everybody's been going through. Not necessarily all my individual favorites. This is kind of a mix between our favorites. It makes, sure. But, you know, a lot of these games are made for two players because, you know, some of you out there, you know, might just be stuck with, you know, one other person. So we, so we kept that in mind. Um, but, you know, sometimes... We just had to pick a game that wasn't a two players because it's just so perfect for the quarantine. So anyways, number 10 
is a game called King Domino. It is a two to four player game. And in King Domino, you are a lord seeking new lands in which to expand your kingdom. You must explore all the lands, including wheat fields, lakes, and mountains in order to spot the best plots of land while competing with other lords to acquire them first. So as you're sitting in quarantine and looking out at the lands (laughs) around you, you can go, hmm, which one shall I conquer next? And then you have to stay at home. So you'll just have to, you'll just have to make a plan. Or you, you, if you live in a condo or apartment, you start like car- cutting into your neighbor's wall and start building walls to add their land to yours. So, so the game uses tiles with two sections, similar to dominoes. That's why it's called King Dominoes. So, so there's two sections, and and it has either like a wheat or a lake or a mountain on that domino. So each turn, every player will select one new domino to connect to their existing dominoes that makes up your kingdom. So so you want to make sure at least one of the sides on your new domino connects to a matching terrain type on your other dominoes. And so the order in which a player picks their domino first depends on what tile you previously chose. So the better tiles... There's like a ranking to these tiles. The better tiles force players to pick later in the next turn. And the tiles that are pretty weak allow you to go first in the next turn. So the turns always kind of change on who's going first and what tile you're trying to grab. And the the game ends when each player has completed basically a 5 by 5 grid of dominoes, or you fail to do so. Uh, and you can't quite do it, but uh, but after you get your five by five grid points are counted up uh, based on the number of connecting tiles, and each tile can sometimes double their points if it has a little crown symbol. But I don't know, Amanda. What do you think of this game? I, I love the game. It's great fun, and if you are bored, you should get it. And and it's a good game that you can play with uh, with kids too. We've we noticed our kids like oh, to play. It's it's absolutely. not a hard one, so. Uh, so it, it's a lot of fun for sure. All right. Number nine, Amanda, you want to go for it? So Carcassonne, it's a two to five player game and Carcassonne is a tile placement game in which players draw and place a tile in a piece of Southern French landscape. The tile might feature a city road. Um, <laughs> it says cloister, but I would say it's. It, To me, it always, I just say church. So, or grassland, combination of things. And they have to be placed next to tiles that have already been played. And so, it's a great tile game where you play the board as you go. Um, So, having placed a tile, the player can then decide to place their, they're called meeples. (laughs) (laughs) Your peas. Or your yeah, you, meeples. you got these little people. Yeah, apparently they're called meeples. We're reading, we're reading stuff directly <laughs> off of uh, from, from the bo- companies. Yeah, from the companies. The, the descriptions Anyways. of them. so on areas on it. Um, the city is a knight. The road is a robber. Um, the church is a monk, or the grass is a farmer. And once the area is complete, you then score your meeple. <laughs> that meeple scores points for its owner. You you, you count up your score. 
Um, during a game of Carcassonne, players are faced with decisions like, is this really worth putting my last meeple there? Or should I use it, this tile to expand my city? Stop messing with the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I love this game. It's full of so many great options and it always is changing. And that's part of what's great about it. Yeah, you know, it, it, it. It's kind of sounds similar, just based on the descriptions, to King Domino. But but what's different about it is you have Meeple. Well, you no, have no, no, Meeple. No. It's in King Domino. You have your own plots of land. In this one, it's a giant shared plot of land. You have to and, compete, and you you compete on that one shared map using those Meeples, those little people. Those people claim your land, um, and so so as you're getting tiles, you're trying to like strategically build up the map in a way that gets your meeples more points while decreasing the amount of points for your competitors. So this is when you notice that your neighbor has slowly been cutting into your apartment and trying to build walls in your apartment to get more land for themselves and you compete for land. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know. We've been doing a lot of construction around the house. That's why you're you're thinking about cutting into walls and things. I don't know. Yeah, well, it, know. It, it, it's it's um quarantine land grabs. Okay, sh- that's, sure. No, that's okay. what it is. But but you can't do any of that because you're stuck at home. So so what do you do when you're stuck at home? You 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 take you, it take you, it to rest. You think about all the places you could go on vacation. And so number eight is a board game called Ticket to Ride. It is a two to five player game. With elegant, simple gameplay, Ticket to Ride can be learned in under 15 minutes. Players collect cards of various types of trains uh, they then use to claim railway routes in North America. The longer the route, the more points you earn. Additional points come to those who fulfill ticket destinations, which are basically like goal cards that connect distant cities so like seattle to houston or or las vegas to new york as an example and and to the player who builds the longest continuous route they also get a number of points so so the rules are simple enough to write uh, on a tick on a train ticket each each turn you either draw more cards claim a route or get additional ticket destinations um the tension comes from being forced to balance greed, adding more cards to your hand, and fear losing a critical route to a competitor. Um, Ticket to Ride continues in the tradition of Days of Wonders big format board games that feature high quality illustrations. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, this is why I don't breed off. Well, but 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 it but it 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 works. It works. Yeah. So so anyways, Ticket to Ride is basically a build your own uh railroad game. Yeah. And That's- it's it is simple and our kids love it and they lost most of our pieces so we can't play it anymore. Well, I I have heard that Ticket to Ride Europe is even better. Okay, why? So, um because they have um you the city system is a little bit different. And so you've got to do different railway systems. And I've just, from, from when I worked at a board game store, I was always told that ticket to ride Europe is better. So, so, so no, so number nine and 10 was all about you're stuck at home and you wish you could go outside and see the world. Uh, number, number, uh, number eight ticket to ride was about you going on vacation, but you can't cause you're stuck in quarantine. So number seven 
is is all about the economy crashing. <laughs> uh, about we see all these companies going for bankruptcy, uh, yeah. fluctuations so, in the stock market, and that's why you need to acquire. So the game acquire is two to six players and acquire each player strategically invests in businesses trying to retain a majority of stock. As the businesses businesses grow with tile placements, they also start merging, giving the majority stockholders of the acquired business sizable bonuses, which can then be used to reinvest in other chains. All of the investors in the acquired company can then cash in their stocks for current value or trade them two for one for shares in the newer, larger business. The game is a race to acquire the greatest wealth. And as we know, Amazon is currently winning. <laughs> Let's see. They're trying to acquire AMC, I last heard. Yeah, trying to AMC acquire JCPenney. JCPenney's, yeah. So Holy when cow. playing Acquire, remember, be Amazon. So so acqu- I love this game. Acquire, even though it's number seven on the list, is because, you know, it's, it's a quarantine-themed, you know, game list. But in reality, Acquire is probably... Uh, you know, at times my favorite board game, my number one, or maybe even uh, it, pro- it probably sits at number two. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, you basically have a board of all these little tiles, uh, these little square tiles, and each tile represents uh, a business. And as they connect, the t- that means the business is growing, which means as you buy stock in the business, the more your stock grows. It's actually an incredibly fun game. Uh, and if if you find it, I would highly recommend uh, it if you haven't played it. So, so here we are at number six. Um, you know what are we doing because we're in quarantine? Well, we're all sitting in front of the boob tube watching endless TV and movies. So of course we need a movie oriented game, and there is no game, uh, no movie game better than Star Wars Epic Duels, which is for two to six players. This game, oh my word, it is uh, one of the best games ever made, <laughs> bar none. So basically, fantastic. Individuals battle between famous Star Wars characters set on different broad locations. Players choose a major character that is accompanied by one or two minor characters. Each set of characters has its own deck of cards, which are used for attack, defense, or special abilities. Each deck is unique with certain special powers relevant to the major character. There are different modes of play. One-on-one battles, up to three teams can play against each other, or up to six players can play a free-for-all. The battlefields include Geonosis, uh, the Geonosis Arena, the Emperor's Throne Room, the Carbon Freezing Chamber, and the Camino Platform. Okay. So uh, ba- ba- basically, this game is like take anybody from the Star Wars universe, let's say uh, Mace Windu, and put them up against anybody else in the Star Wars universe. Let's have Mace Windu fight Obi Wan uh, uh, Kenobi. Let's have Darth Maul fight Yoda. Let's have you know it's it's endless and it's it's awesome and it's so much fun. Unfortunately, it's not truly endless. This is why we need Disney to remember to make Star Wars epic duels, the Clone Wars, Star Wars epic duels, Rebels. It needs expansions. It You're right. So massively so needs this, expansions. This game came out around the time of Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. 
And, and there hasn't been any expansions to it. So we don't have Kylo Ren fighting Darth Maul or anything like that. Which we need. But you can go online and you can find fan-made decks and characters. But seriously, this game is so much fun. Uh, it, it, it is. This is a game you can actually play one player. Because there's been many times where I'll put like all 31 people on the board and just like go crazy. It is <laughs> seriously a lot of fun. But uh, But yes quarantine boredom we're watching a lot of movies and such uh requires us to have a star wars uh board game all right so our next board game is a classic and favorite of so many's Catan, formerly settlers of Catan. And it's really weird for me to say Catan because i'm used to calling it settlers. <laughs> yeah it's the settlers of Catan. it's the settlers it's settlers no one says Catan. you want to play settlers yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyways. Uh, players try to dominate the try to be the dominant force of the island of Catan by building settlements, cities, and roads. On each turn, dice are rolled to determine what resources the island produces. Players collect these resources: wood, grain, brick, wheat. Uh, wood, wood, brick, wheat, sheep. <laughs> wood, brick, wheat, sheep. There we go. They have it in a different order than I'm used to. I know wood, grain, brick, sheep, or stone. No, and it's not grain; it's wheat. Wood, wood, brick, brick wheat, wheat, sheep, sheep. S- stone. I don't think anybody ever says stone. That's like the it's, that's a forgotten stepchild of resources. <laughs> <laughs> to build up their civilizations to get to ten victory points and win the game. So I really love Catan. Um, it really motivated me when I was younger to really get back into board games. Oh yeah, it, it, so so there's like there's two different types of game board gamers. There's like Oh yeah, I play board games. I play, you know, Monopoly. I play Sorry. You, I play Sorry. Clue. I play Clue. No, no. And then and then there's the gateway into true awesome board games. And like it, Settlers of Catan is that gateway for probably like 99% of us. Yeah. So Catan just helps people if you're not used to truly <laughs> board gaming, start with Catan. Uh, I got a funny I got a quick funny story. So uh, I got a friend named uh, Sarah Luco, uh, if you're listening. Anyways, uh, way back in the day, uh, you know, I love playing board games. Me and my friends played lots of board games. We were huge into D&D and complicated games like that. But we had never played Settlers of Catan before. And so one day, Sarah Luco comes over and uh, and she tries to show us this game and 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 I have to admit, it does look a, a tad intimidating the first time you open it up because there's a lot of weird pieces that get jumbled around. And and I remember when she was setting it up, I was like, uh, I don't have the uh, I don't have the uh, patience for this right now. Let's go do something else. And so so no one played the game, and we went and did something else. So anyways, fast forward like another like six months later, somehow some way I forgot that Sarah Luco tried to show me this game, and I found the game. I loved it. I started playing it with all my friends. And then one day, Sarah Luco comes over. I'm like, Sarah, you got to play this game. It is awesome. It's called Settlers of Catan. And Sarah got so mad at me. She's like, I tried to show you this game like six months ago. And you totally blew me off. I'm like, sorry. We should play. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways. Uh, Sarah Luca, thanks for showing me that. All right, we're at number four now. Number four. So, you know, we're in quarantine. You know, people, you know, are, are 
you know, they don't got a ton of money. They have to barter sometimes to get what they need. And so number four is to be ready to barter, to be, re- to be ready to borrow barter in the, uh, the COVID oh, apocalypse. Now, this is, um, it's, this isn't necessarily bartering. This is sneaking. Um, um, this is, this is all about sneaking contraband goods. Okay. Sure. Whatever. It's sneaking contraband goods. It's okay. not bartering, well, well, number, it's, but it's being ready to number four on our list is a game called Sheriff in Nottingham. It is a three to five player game. Uh, so, so players, uh, are in the role of merchants. Uh, and this is an opportunity to make a quick profit. By selling goods in the bustling city. Um, And so what you're trying to do is make as much money during uh, during the game. However, players must first get their goods through the city gate past the watch of the sheriff of Nottingham. So so the game puts you in a position where you have to ask yourself, should you play it safe? With, your, with only selling legal goods or risk it by sneaking in illicit illegal goods and making a lot more money. But you have to be mindful, though, because the sheriff is one of the players and that sheriff switches every turn. And the sheriff's always got their eyes out for liars and yep. tricks. Everyone gets that. to be a, take a turn yep. being sheriff. So 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 in the, in the game, Sheriff of Nottingham, players will not only be experienced being a merchant, but they are the sheriff themselves and players have to declare their goods to the sheriff that they wish to bring in. And, and so they put their goods in a little burlap bag and they give the burlap bag to the player who's the sheriff. And then the, the sheriff can basically ask them any questions they want to try to determine if they do indeed want uh, the sheriff to inspect their bag or not. Of and it, does the bag hold legal goods or illegal goods? And guess what? You can even bribe. You can try to bribe the sheriff too. Yeah. So, so anyways, it's a it's a real fun game with with more than uh, uh the, the larger the group the better. So um, get ready for the barter system and getting contraband goods in. Sure, sure. All <laughs> right. So so that is number four on our list. Now we're into the top three, Amanda. Betrayal at House on the Hill. So as you're stuck at home with potentially more people around you, you have to look around and go, who will betray you at House (laughs) on the Hill? So it's for three to six players, and it quickly builds suspense and excitement as players explore a haunted mansion of their own design. So this is another play the play. um, It's a tile board game. So you play the, the board as you go along. So you encounter spirits and frightening omens that foretell their fate. With an estimated one-hour playing time, Betrayal at House on the Hill is ideal for parties, family gatherings, or casual fun with friends. Um, So it's a tile game that allows players to build their own haunted house room by room, tile by tile, creating a new thrilling board game every time. That you secretly, secretly, one character is going to betray the rest of the party, and the innocent members of the party must defeat the traitor in their midst before it's too late. Betrayal at House in the Hill will appeal to any game player who enjoys a fun, suspenseful, strategic game. So, what I love about the game is you don't know who's going to betray the party at the very beginning. It's selected through gameplay, and and, and you don't even know what what this haunted house is going to look like. And, and what's cool about this game, the best part is it, 
is that literally every single time you play this game, the game changes. It is different. Um, because like as you uh, as your players enter the main door, you're right. You draw these different tiles uh, and the tiles build out the the haunted house. And the, and, and the tiles are random, so you don't know what you're going to run into. And the tiles have different things that happen. And then at some point in the game, based on the tiles that are drawn... And the, the tiles that are drawn and the yeah. cards that are drawn. One of the players in the group uh, will turn into this person that's betraying everybody. And and some ran- and you don't know who it's going to be. And and what happens is some random scenario pops up, like... Like, I mean, it's it's crazy stuff. Like, like the last one we had was, like, the person turned invisible and was running around the house trying to kill everybody. Uh, and another one we had, I, I'm pretty sure, like, aliens popped into the yeah. haunted house. I mean, so, like, it's totally random, totally crazy. And it, it is actually really fun to play. I like to do it with, like, little spooky haunted house music in the, in the <laughs> background. But, yeah, uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill is our number three on the list. A lot of fun. Um and I think it's time to get to number two on our list, which is The Last Night on Earth. It is a zombie game. Uh, two to six players. The Last Night on Earth is a survival horror board game that pits small town heroes head to head against a horde of zombies. A team of four heroes is chosen by one set of players, and the zombies are controlled by one or two players. Each hero has his own special abilities. The board is modular, which changes the layout of the town and start positions of each hero. The game comes with several scenarios, which include simple survival, rescue, or maybe escape. Different combinations of heroes, scenarios, and board configurations offer a lot of replayability. Uh, the hero deck and zombie deck deliver tactical bonuses to each side. Uh, combat is resolved using six-sided dice. Uh, there's even, this is awesome, there's even a CD soundtrack of original music that comes with the game. So if you don't have any uh, haunted house-like music, it comes with it. Um, so so here we are in the COVID-19 apocalypse. What a great time to play a board game about the zombie apocalypse. Um, and and it, it really is a game of just, uh, you know, how are you going to defeat all these zombies? It, it, it's to help you mentally prepare for when everyone who's caught COVID turns into zombies and comes after you. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> all right, so number one on our list. What is the top board game that you should be playing in... And- in quarantine boredom. Pandemic. <laughs> it's a two to four player game. And in pandemic, several virulent diseases have broken out simultaneously all over the world. The players are disease fighting specialists whose mission is to treat hot spots while researching cures for each of the four plagues before they get out of hand. The game board depicts several major population centers on Earth. In On each turn, a player can use up to four actions to travel between cities treat infected populaces, discover a cure, or build a research station. A deck of cards provides the players with these abilities, but sprinkled throughout this deck are epidemic cards that accelerate and intensify the disease's activity. A second, separate deck of cards controls the normal spread of infections. 
Taking a unique role within the team, players must plan their strategy to mesh with their specialist strengths in order to conquer the disease. So what I love about this game is that it's a team game. You're not playing against each other unless you have the expansions. And you're you're trying to work together. And there are people who are willing to work with me. And there are people who think I just kind of play for them. So I'm not always the best <laughs> at this game. Well, so so here we are in the middle of a, you know, COVID-19 pandemic. You should be playing a game that helps us eradicate, you know, make-believe pandemics across the world. And And you're right. Out of the, the, the last night on Earth is also a team game. You're, you're on the same side, um, but there is, you know, uh, a zombie side. The zombies. And then this, the same thing with uh, Betrayal in the House of the Hill. You know, you're on the same side until somebody's betraying you. But this is the only game in which literally everybody wins or everybody loses. Yeah. And the best part about it is this is a real, this is a challenging game. It's not a game that you kind of find a rhythm to. And then every time you come back to the game, you can just play it the same way and beat it the same way. Um, Because this game is random enough and challenging enough that, you know, you might play it and your whole team loses and you're like, dang it. We were so close. I, I, I could see a way out. Let's do it again. And you end up like playing this game like three times in a row. So I I just have to share what I find really interesting about this game as I'm thinking about it and I'm comparing it to what's going on in our current pandemic. So in the game, you have to learn to work with the other players and let them play for themselves, even though you want to play for them. And I think of all of the politicians and the moves they're making in this pandemic and of the medical professionals in the pandemic and even just ourselves in our homes and how we each have a place in the global pandemic. So when you play pandemic, you kind of get a a, a different perspective (laughs) of how to work with other people in a pandemic. Yeah. It's a pandemic is the perfect game to be playing in the pandemic. So, (laughs) so there you go, folks, that is our top 10 board games to be playing in quarantine boredom. Folks. Thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of super nerd podcast please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us subscribe and review us on apple Podcasts, google podcast stitcher spotify anchor or wherever else you find us and be sure to tell a friend about us next week we are going to be talking shazam that's right we're going to do a rewind episode and kind of do a movie review on Shazam! So Amanda will have to uh, be nice and play pretty with DC. So I, I love Shazam. <laughs> so make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on Shazam by going to Anchor.fm/SuperNerdPodcast, uh, and you just might be featured on the show. You can even email us your thoughts on Shazam at SuperNerdPodcast at Gmail. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. Tell a friend about us and subscribe to the podcast, folks. From all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Until next time, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun.
I am entropy. I am 